It is so good to see you. It's my honor to be with you today and to preach. And uh, I, I taught Sunday school this morning already, and I, I enjoy that. I have a Sunday school class that they, I tell you what, they, they, they have the bar high. They expect you to bring it every Sunday. And so uh, I've taught Sunday school this morning, and we taught Revelation. You know what? You better get ready when you're in heaven for what you're going to be doing. I, you know, that song, I can only imagine when I stand in the presence of Jesus. I, I don't know what's going to come over me, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm looking forward to it. And the other thing I want you to know is, if you're a little shy about praising God here, uh, you're going to have a hard time in heaven because we're going to be shouting. As a matter of fact, we found in chapter 19, we're, there's shouting going on. Amen? And so it's okay. You can loosen up here a little bit. Loosen your collar. I wish I could, you know. Loosen your collar and, uh, and go ahead and understand it's okay for you to shout here at Hillcrest. And uh, if the Word of God's good to you, go ahead and let us know about it, all right? But let me, let me just tell you, God's been doing a work in my heart. You're going to find out that when I preach, usually... It's from what God is doing in my life right now. And, and, and I, that's, I seem to relate to that oh, better. Uh, it's not, I don't have an agenda, but it is something that, that God moves in my heart. And, you know, let me remind you of, of what I do here at Hillcrest, okay? I am the pastor of evangelism and discipleship. Now, try to say that 10 times without stuttering, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but anyway, I'm a pastor of evangelism and discipleship. Now, what that means is, that I do, I, I try to help our church be an outreach, outward-looking church. That's what, I, that's what Pastor wants me to try to help do, okay? And so when I get a chance to preach, guess what I like to preach on? I like to help us with that. Now, Brother John does a great job. Don't get me wrong. He covers all of it. But I want you to know that in my heart and life, that's what God is doing in my life. And you know what God is, I'm, I'm watching Hillcrest as you're, I, I love it. I'm watching you. And I'm loving what God is doing in our church. Can I say that? I mean, I love the fact that you are, you are looking out. You're, you're looking outside the four walls. You are looking at other people. And you're trying to do what exactly God's called us to do. But today, I want to help us a little bit. I want to help us a little bit. I wrote an article in the newsletter. Probably didn't read it. You probably threw it in the trash. I know that. But uh, I wrote an article recently that this, that this message is kind of a... That article was a spinoff of what God was doing in my life. Now, I have a towel here uh, because when I went up there to do the baptistry, boy, little Cadence, that's a sweetheart. I'll tell you what, I love that little girl. But when I went up there to do the baptism, I didn't realize how humid it is up there over that hot baptistry. Man, I'm telling you what, it's like a song up there. Brother Ronnie, uh, Holland, your team, I love you guys. Thank you for being willing to do that. But it's hot up there. But anyway, so uh, bear with me just a little bit, if you will. Turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I know that you've heard this many, many times. And I, I wish I could tell you how many times I've studied this, these verses. I wish I could tell you I'm tired of studying it, but I'm not. I wish I could tell you that uh, it's kind of like the old preacher that preached the same sermon, just came to the church, preached the same sermons, same sermon four weeks in a row. And afterwards, the deacons call him in and say, you preach the same sermon four weeks in a row. How come? He said, well, when you start doing what I preach, and I'll change the subject. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that about you today, but it's almost like the Lord is telling me over and over again, David, keep looking at this. Keep understanding this. For you understand, Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven, and these are the last words that he says to us, and the most important thought on his heart. As a matter of fact, you find out in all four Gospels and the book of Acts, we find a Great Commission reference in all of those Gospels. And I'm not going to take a time to look at those, but I want you to understand that. Now, let me just 
make sure you understand, I want to ask ourselves, how are we doing? Are we making progress? Well, let me just tell you something. I went to the uh, SBC convention in Nashville. And here are some stats you need to know. In 2020, that's the most recent stats we were able to get, our total attendance dropped by 2% across the convention. Now, I understand what kind of year we've just gone through. You know, okay, I'm, I'm, I understand that. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not taking shots at us. I'm simply saying we need to know as churches, what are we doing? Let me also, but what alarmed me was baptisms dropped 4%. Now, please understand me. I'm not trying to say we need to look at numbers. I'm not a numbers guy. I don't even know how many people we baptized this year. Really. I mean, I could calculate it, but I, I don't know. But let me say this. It's not enough. Okay? Wherever we are, it's not enough. And we're not done. And God is still doing the business. Let me also say this. I also know that you can outline this, this passage several ways. One outline could be the power in verse 18, the plan and program in verse 19 through 20, and the promise in the last part of verse 20. I think we could outline it that way. We also could outline his, his passion, his purpose, his plan, and his promise. But this, this passage definitely speaks to what I just told you about in SBT churches. Let me say this. If we're not doing it, then who's going to? If we're not going to be evangelistic, if we're not going to try to complete the Great Commission, if we're not going to try to do it, then who, pray tell, is going to do it? Let me tell you something, young people, you blessed my heart last Sunday. And I mean this with all my heart. Not that there's just a sweetness of the whole group, but Brother Brandon, when those young, young folks lined up here, two of them answered the call to ministry, and the rest of them have their hands out like this, saying, I'm willing to do whatever God's doing. That blesses my heart. I want you to know that. Yeah. And Hillcrest Church, let me say, if God doesn't call ministry people from this kind of church, pray, what, where's he going to call them from? So I know moms and dads makes you a little nervous. Little Johnny may not live next door. I get that. But let me tell you something, he may. Whatever God calls him to do. But if God, I appreciate that. And that bless this, this older guy's heart. I want you to know that. But I want, today we want to focus, I want to focus on, on a particular part of this, this, this passage. If you'll look with me now in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's, don't overlook that part. A lot of people leave that off. Don't overlook that part. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even into the end of the world. Amen. Now, we all understand what go means. As a matter of fact, some of you are on the go button all the time. I mean, you're going from here to yon and everywhere. How many of you say, Brother David, I wish I could get off this merry-go-round. It's going around way too much. I mean, really. You got kids in every little sport, every sport. You're running all over the place, moms and dads. We understand what go is. But we also think for some reason in our mind that going has to be we go to the mission field. That's not necessarily what that verse means. What that word go means as you go, in your going. Now, do you go every, how many of you go every day? You do something. You go somewhere every day. You understand what I'm talking about? In other words, you might go to work. You might go to school. Wherever you're going, go ye therefore. Now, notice the first thing I want us to see in verse 19 is the, the expression, teach all nations. Teach all nations. Now, the word teach there actually means disciple, all right? It means disciple. Make disciples. Now you say, David, I've heard all this. Well, listen to me carefully. It's important that there is that you see the progression 
in chapters 19 and 20. He says, first of all, teach all nations or disciple all nations. Do you understand that the word of God is spiritually written and must be what? Spiritually discerned. Did you understand the law? Do you know that a lost man cannot understand the word of God? That's why I don't care to hear somebody commenting about what God's word is saying when they don't know the Jesus that is the word of God. I don't have any patience for someone trying to tell the church when they're not of the church how we should behave. It, it's, it's just not right. It's kind of like me telling a brain surgeon how to begin brain surgery. It just, I just have no understanding. But also, we know that until the Holy Spirit enlivens your dead heart, you cannot understand the living word of God. There's no way. So there has to be something in this great commission that tells me there's a step one, and that is to disciple. Do you understand there was a day in your life and mine, if you're saved today, when you did not know Jesus? There's a day in my time in my life when I was not saved. I had not accepted Christ as my Savior. And let me tell you something. In this world that we live in, biblical literacy has plummeted to its lowest lowest point. In other words, you cannot talk to the average person and ask them something about the Bible and expect them to know it. So you can't just walk up to somebody and expect to have a spiritual conversation and tell the Holy Spirit is involved and they have some understanding of who God is and where they are in relationship to a holy God. That takes some time. And that's doing our going is when we develop that. In other words, you've got to bring people to the point to do this first step, and that is to become a disciple. Do you understand in Israel and in the Hebrew community, there's a time in every young man's life when he has to decide whether he's going to continue in the trade of his family or he's going to begin to follow a rabbi. Now, a rabbi is someone who takes in disciples. And a rabbi is someone who trains young men in the scriptures. But some, every child in the Hebrew community learned the book of Isaiah. And at some point, they were identified as, no, you need to continue in the trade and you need to go on and study. Do you understand? Not everybody is college material. Not that that's a bad thing. There's a, I, I used to do HVAC. I have a master's degree, but I used to do HVAC. I love trade, working in the trades. I love that kind of thing. But let me say this. In the Hebrew community, they understood that. Well, when they, that's when that rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, meaning master. In other words, he's trying to choose him as his rabbi, wanted to become a disciple of him. Well, let me say this. A person that, first of all, when the Bible tells us here to teach all nations, what he's talking about is the first step of evangelism. In other words, the first thing we have to do is share the gospel. The problem we have nowadays is we have Christians that don't know how or are too shy or don't want to or leave it up to the pastor to share the gospel. And let me say, the gospel is very simple. As a matter of fact, we find out in, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 that it is the power of God unto salvation. That I can't convince someone to be saved. It's only by the power of the Word of God. You might be here today this morning and you say, Brother David, I've not been discipled. I'm not saved. I don't know as Jesus as my Savior. Well, there's four little things you need to know. First of all, you need to know that all have sinned. Do you understand that everybody in this room, how many in this room would say, Brother David, I've sinned? Every hand should be up. I've sinned. 
All have sinned. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us there's none righteous. The word righteous means perfect. No, not one in Romans 3.10. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Coming short of the glory of God means I've got a bow and arrow and I'm shooting at a target and I miss the bullseye. All that means is you, all you have to do is miss the bullseye and you've sinned. It doesn't take much to sin. We sin by nature. So all have sinned. The second thing we know is that we've earned death by our sin. We've earned that. It tells us that in Romans 6, 23a says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, please understand, wages is something you earn. You go to the job, you get paid a wage. When you've earned something, that is what you deserve, right? So what we deserve is death. Do you all know that one day, unless we're raptured by God and we're Christians, one day we're all going to die? Physically, we're going to die. You say, well, David, I hate to think about that. I do too, but let me tell you, we're going to physically die. But the Bible also talks about a second death. And in Revelation 21, 8, it talks about the fearful and abominable and the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and sorcerers and lists a whole lot of people. And then it says, all liars. How many have lied in your life? Anybody lied one time? You just did. If you didn't, raise your hand. We go, okay. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. Now, we don't have a lot of hellfire and brimstone preaching these days, but you need to understand this. That is a real place prepared by a real God that real people will spend eternity if they don't know Jesus. That's the second death. So you see, we've earned physical death through Adam, okay? But we've, we also have spiritual death upon us. But that's not the end of the story because what's happened because of that, praise God, Christ paid our debt and offers us eternal life. There's a day when Jesus said, I know you can't help yourself, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to die for you and you can know that I know. Matter of fact, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth or shows his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to be a good person, God's already paid your debt. Yeah. Romans 6.23 again says the first part of the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God, a gift is something you can't earn. Wages are something you earn, but a gift is something you can't earn. It's given to you. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot live good enough. You cannot come to church enough. You just cannot do it for the wages. It's the wages of sin is death, but the gift of the God is eternal life. That gift is something God gives you. Suppose it's your birthday, and I have a gift for you, and it's got your name on it. You're saying, David, I'll take that, okay? Maybe it's got a $100 bill in there, and if it did, uh, anyway, I'd be in trouble. But anyway, so if I've got you a gift, and i got your name on it, what would you have to do to receive it? All you'd have to do is reach out and receive it. Let me tell you this. You repent of your sin as Jesus in your heart and you can be saved. That's the fourth step. For if you confess Jesus as Lord and repent and be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. That's a good Bible word. Don't let people take it away from you. Thou shalt be saved. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made in salvation. Now it's important you understand that we have to confess Jesus. We must repent of our sin and ask him to come into our heart and life and save us. I want to know. And you ask yourself this question, how are we doing? How are you right now? Have you made that decision in your life? Because the first step that I, my responsibility as a church is to teach 
or, or disciple all nations. The first thing I, first step I need to do is bring you to the point of discipleship where you're a disciple. You're a follower of Christ. And the only way you can be a follower of Christ is accept Jesus as your Savior. Matter of fact, verse 13 of Romans chapter 10, 10 says, Whosoever, put your name in there, David wrote, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. I'm telling you what, verse 11 said you won't be ashamed either. And so I want you to know that the first step in the, this program of God of reaching the lost, the first step is to disciple others, all nations. Now, th does that mean all nations? I think that means all. I have a sermon I preached here before called All, and it's from this passage. I understand that. But you understand the first step is disciple. We've got to help people come to know Jesus. Let me say this. If you talk to someone, if you witness someone, you really, now please don't take this as pressure, but understanding, this is trying to help you understand it. If you don't bring them to the point of accepting or rejecting Christ, you really have not, you really have not brought them to the point of a salvation decision. Now we talk about God and there's all that's good. That's important. Yeah, that's part of marrying, that's part of prepping the soil and getting ready for the word of God to be, to be, to grow. But let me say, it's very important. We decide that we're going to witness and, and, and uh, share the gospel. What a wonderful truth to teach all nations, all languages, and all people that they can be saved. They can become a disciple. Number two, teach all nations. That's salvation. Then in verse 19, he said, notice what he says, baptizing them. Now, I know that we're Baptists. I'm Baptist. All right? Now, some of you may not be Baptists here today. But what we did this morning with this little Miss Cadence is what we believe in. We believe in baptism by immersion. All right? Now, Brother John has preached that on a, on a Sunday night, and we've studied baptism. But I don't really know why God chose baptism as an ordinance of the church. You I mean, think about it. I mean, I really don't know why he chose that. I do remember in the Old Testament where Naaman went to the, went to the um, Jordan and he had to humble himself to dip seven times and be healed, you know, the dirty Jordan, but yet he did it and, and God miraculously saved him. I don't think the water, has any, the water has no miracle elements in it, but it's just a matter of humility. But I will say this, in Acts chapter 8, where Philip went to the eunuch, the, the eunuch in verses 36 through 38, won't take time to read that, but remember he was in his chariot reason Isaiah, Philip came up, and he said, Do you understand? He said, how can I let someone tell me? We, that's teaching, that's teaching, that's what we're talking about, the teaching the disciple, and that's what Philip was doing right there, teaching him so he gets saved. He taught him the scriptures, he got saved, and then he said, there, here's water, what, what hinders me from being baptized? That's a great question, what hinders me from being baptized? I think baptism is very, very important. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. I want you to see something because I think what's happened is in our world, we kind of let ourselves slip on this a little bit. We don't see the importance of it. It's almost like, well, it's all, you know, I'm, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm not saved by baptism. And that's true. You're not. I want you to understand that you're not saved by baptism. But let me say it's important. It's right here in the scripture. It said baptizing them. And notice it says in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. That's what we did today. Of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Well, I, I think if you look in verse 13 of chapter 3, you'll find it cometh Jesus um, from Galilee to Jordan under John to be baptized of him. Now Jesus, that means Jesus is going to get baptized. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answered, and him suffered to be so. 
For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. That's where we get the idea of a baptism by immersion. Out of the water. You can't go out of the water if they sprinkle. Okay? So he's coming out of the water, he says. And he said, uh, And lo, the heavens, of, heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So notice Jesus is being baptized. The Holy Spirit's descending like a dove. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. At Jesus' baptized, baptism, who all were present? God the Father was present. He spoke. God the Son was present. He was baptized. And God the Holy Spirit showed up in the form of a dove. All three were present in baptism. Let me tell you something. I believe baptism is important. Now, it's not essential for salvation, but it is important. And we need to understand it's our first step of obedience. Now, once you make that step, he says, it's simple. Jesus' examples here. Father, the Father spoke, and we see that. But let me also say this. Could it be that it's so important that we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because all three were involved in your salvation? Now get this. This is good stuff right here. I'm telling you. All three. For God so loved that he gave his Son. That means we say baptize in the name of the Father who gave his Son, the Son who gave his life, and the Holy Spirit that seals us and empowers us and fills us at the point of salvation. So I believe the reason we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is because all three of them were there and were involved in the day you and I got saved. They all three had a part and played a role in our salvation. And I believe all three think it's important that we've been saved. Complete involvement in, in, our, in the whole process. All, uh, uh, all, this, all three in their salvation and all three given authority to your relationship with him. Let me tell you something. That ought to make you feel really special. That ought to make me feel really important. That God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit's involved not only in my salvation, but also he's recognizing our baptism. You understand, God spoke and said it pleased him that his son was baptized. It pleases him when you are baptized. And we ought to be baptized. I'm so glad. I love it. I'm telling you, I just get a, you know, I, just so you know this, I'm not, I'm not, I have to come, I come here every Saturday to turn a switch. For the baptism, the baptistry, to fill it and warm it. I'm not bragging. I love it. Amen. I come and I say, God, thank you that every service we have a baptism. Some churches are not turning the switch on. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's oh, it's a little, you a little wet. Yeah, was it hot up there? Oh, absolutely, I'm burning up. But I love it. But listen to me, I love it. I believe someone else loves that Jesus. So he tells us, first of all, let's make disciples. Let's win them to Jesus. Let's tell them the gospel. Then let's get them baptized. First step of obedience because of, so step two is baptizing them. For you see, the first step, becoming a disciple, is salvation. The second step, being baptized, is identification. You identify with Christ and with his burial, his death, burial, and resurrection 
through baptism. And boy, what a wonderful blessing that is. By the way, just um, Matthew 10, 32 and 33 shares some very important verses. He said, if, we're, uh, if we deny, if we stand for him, he'll stand for us if we confess him. If we deny him, he'll deny us in heaven. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm simply telling you, it's important. Obeying God in baptism is important. Now, let's talk about teach all nations, baptizing them. And I see I'm running short of time. I always do this. I run short of time every time I teach Sunday school. It's got to be somebody else's fault besides mine. I'm not sure whose. But anyway. But he says, then teaching, teaching, that's a progressive word, ongoing. He says, teach all nations, baptizing Continual. Every time somebody gets saved, we baptize them. By the way, I want to throw this out. I do not believe in multiple baptisms for a believer. One time. After your real experience with Christ, you get baptized one time. Other churches, I think, are doing it just to drive their numbers up, to be honest with you. I can't imagine why you would do it. So you don't find it in Scripture. You don't find it anywhere in Scripture. And, but anyway, I just want to throw that out. That's free. didn't cost you anything. Just want to throw it out there. Okay, but then, then teaching them to observe all things. Teaching, ongoing. Uh, let me read you a passage. I, I'm, I'm trying to understand, because you understand, I'm, I've been, been saved since second grade. I haven't always followed the Lord like I should, but I tell you, there never was a time when I doubted. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Would you turn there with me briefly? I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because what happens is, you understand what happens when you get saved and baptized. First of all, you get saved. You're, you've sold lock, stock, and barrel to Jesus. You say, God, I'm no longer the, I love the cards that we did for VBS. I want Jesus the boss of my life. I'm going to tell you what, he is, he is preeminent. That's talking about the preeminence of Christ. Let me tell you what, he is preeminent. And he will not settle for second place. He's number one in your life or he's not in your life. I mean, he's your savior or he's not. He's your Lord. I mean, he loves you. He loves you. And he gave his life for you. Now, my point here, here's what I want you to understand, is that something changes. Did you remember that change? Have you gotten over it? Look at verse uh, 14 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we are all dead. Then all were dead. Right. He died for all. All were dead in their sins. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. We're not supposed to live unto ourselves. But unto him which died for them and rose again. How are we supposed? We're supposed to live our lives unto the Lord. Now that we're saved, we're baptized, we're supposed to live unto the Lord. Notice what happened. Wherefore, we're henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, notice verse 17, if any man, be in Christ. How many of you claim to be in Christ? He is a new creature, meaning a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and all things of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I have a whole sermon on the ministry of reconciliation. What I'm talking to you about right here, we're trying to bring uh, 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 two people that God's done no offense, but people who have offended God by their sin, we're trying to get them to Jesus and let them start living for God rather than live for themselves. Think about how selfish you lived before you were saved. Think about how you lived for yourself and yourself alone. 
before you got saved. God says our motive should be living for God. So when I thought about teaching, uh, the, uh, teaching them to observe all things, the first thing we got to understand is we're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and we need to look forward to a change in our lives. Then I, I thought I used to know what love is before I was saved. I thought I knew what grace is. I thought I knew what mercy is. I thought I knew what forgiveness is. But then I got saved. And I found out what real love is. I found out that the, the, the Bible, for God so loved that he gave, though I found out what love is. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I found out what real love is when I started learning and allowing myself to be taught from God's Word how to grow in grace and understand what we, what we should know. Notice he goes on. I thought I knew what grace was, but when I got saved and everything became new, I found out what grace really is. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Let me tell you something. When we're saved, that grace is sweet, isn't it? And we, but we won't ever know that until we begin teaching the others about it. Now, let me say this. You can't teach something you haven't already learned. I can't teach some subject. I can teach Bible. I can teach music. I can teach voice. But there's some subjects I can't teach because I haven't learned those. But when we start teaching all things, that means we have to learn all things. That means we have to learn the doctrine of salvation, sanctification, propitiation. We need to learn about the substitutionary death, eschatology, angelology, demonology. You understand, once you get saved, you're just starting out. You're just beginning this new life that is amazing. But it's new to you. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Notice teaching them all things. Well, you see, you understand, that's why we have here at church, we have Sunday school. That's why we have DT. That's why we have preaching. That's why we have Awana. That's why we have youth meetings where our pastor, youth pastor preaches. We're trying to teach. Now, here's the secret, though. Now, you would be kind of hard if you expected Brother John to go to all your homes and teach you this message he was going to preach on Sunday morning just so you could hear the Word of God. The easiest way and the best way to accomplish this, it starts way back in the New Testament in the early church, is for us to come from our homes and gather in one place and let him preach and teach us all at the same time. Do you understand the logic behind that, right? So not attending church is not the practice of the New Testament. God expects us to, you can't be taught, you can't, you know, teach all nations, you can be saved and baptized, but if you're going to grow, you have to come along with the program. You have to get involved with the opportunities to learn and to be taught. I can be doing the teaching, but if you're not there, you will not be doing the learning. It's important that you come and be taught and grow in the, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You understand that learning, this this. Teach, teaching them to observe all things. You understand that's lifetime, right? You never arrive. You ne there are times, I've had people ask me questions, and you want, you want the best answer I can give them sometimes? I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know all the answers. But I know God, the God who does. I don't know. Number two, it's, by the way, it ought to be loving too. I hope you don't feel like I browbeat or I'm not angry up here this morning. I'm excited. And God's doing a great work. You understand, though, that teaching uh, them to observe all things is a lifelong and a loving enterprise. It's something that's done through love. If you take the time to teach someone else, that's a very high form of love. And as a matter of fact, they say, if you love somebody, you can give them money. That's one to say, I love you. But if you really want to say, I love you, give them time. Because that's the stuff that life is made of. And when you give time to teach and to train, you're doing. But then also, it's important that we commit ourselves to learn so that we can continue teaching. Now, here's, so here's what I want to say to you. The Great Commission program, it would be laid out, could be laid out this way. Teach or disciple. Baptize. Teach. Teach. Baptize. Teach. Disciple. Baptize, identify, teaching. You say, well, what about discipleship? Discipleship never ends. Once you become a disciple, you're constantly learning. But the idea, those two Greek words are different from each other. And they have different meanings. I won't take the time to go into that, but here's some lessons I want us to draw from this. Have you allowed yourself to be taught salvation? Those verses I quoted you today, have you applied that to your life? Number two, have you taken um, your first important step of baptism? Maybe there's someone here today that's trusted Christ. You haven't been baptized. Let me encourage you to do that. And number three, are you committed to continue to be te to teaching, be involved in teaching, and to be taught by those teaching? Corporately, do we teach all nations? Do we baptize? Are we teaching all things? My question simply is this is as we look at the Great Commission, look at the number one thing we're supposed to be doing, and we break it down into teach, baptize, teach. Are we doing those things? Are we involved? You say, well, David, I'm not a teacher. Yes, you are. You don't have an option. I don't think that verse is directed just to pastors. I believe it's directed to all of us. Let's pray.